What's up, party people? Welcome back to the Chance Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Jensen, who's been playing Breath of the Wild and took about a hundred tries to beat a modest test of strength shrine mini guardian, but like, did beat it eventually. Today we've got chapters 46 to 48, and last we left off, time had stopped. Uh, Evelyn will be a bit depressed though in chapter 46, but if you want, you can skip the sad bits by going ahead to 14 minutes and 21 seconds. Chapter 48 also discusses depression super briefly, but doesn't show it, so I'm hoping that's okay. Alright, let's go. Chapter 46. Shipwrecked. Trying not to panic, I panicked. I collapsed into the dust of the trainer's box, going from hyperventilating to suppressing the things that were making me panic, and then remembering time had fucking stopped and hyperventilating again. Oh no, Arceus, oh no, it got worse. Oh no. Every time my fumbling mind nearly regained its grasp, another thought tore it from me and set me spinning worse than before. All the motion in the world existed only in my head. All else stood still. Ten, zero, minutes of this went by. Time didn't resume. Time itself hadn't truly stopped. Just me. I wasn't anchored to a stable perception of time, so now I'd come loose entirely and washed up on some kind of time island. A time shipwreck. Right now, it felt like a time whirlpool because of how I was spiraling. What if this is it? What if I'm trapped here forever? Why haven't I found an anchor already? What's going to happen? Will I age in this moment and die? Who's going to defeat Galactic? Oh, fucking shit. Who's going to protect Lucas? What if he dies because I'm trapped in time? And then we're both dead and Galactic wins anyways? What was the point of any of this then? Why bother with time travel in the first place? Why bother with hoping? What am I going to do? Even after Lucas died, I had my Pokemon team. I can't reach them. I can't reach Megan and Trisha, even though I want to. Oh, Arceus, I'm going to be so lonely. I can't reach Thomas, Looker, Lucas. Oh, Arceus, my mom and dad. Megan, Trisha, Trust, Prom, Kerr, Faith, Def, Hope, all were out of reach. So many of them were so near, and they were all out of reach. I had another separate breakdown over all the people I was going to miss. What'll happen out there? Will Thomas keep going? Will Azelf pick someone new? Who? Will they be able to beat Galactic? But I guess I never knew the answers to those in the first place. It took some time. It took no time. But the worst of the storm passed. The winds in my head began dying down. The knot in my stomach remained, and my spirits were low, but the chaos had started to settle. I started to look around. Lucas was frozen looking in my direction. Concern betrayed itself in his otherwise cool expression. So he did care, as much as he was trying not to. I felt a little better despite myself. Thomas's mouth was open, like he was saying something to Lucas, but the moment I was in had caught him mid-blink, so I had no idea where he was looking. Dawn's hand was among the Pokeballs on her belt. Her face revealed nervous confidence. No battle is won till the end, but we all knew how this one was going to end. I reached out telepathically to Def to check if my Pokemon were there, but got no response. I already knew they don't travel through unanchored time with me. At some point, I figured there was no point to shipwrecking myself in space as well as time. I stood up and brushed the dust from my legs, then started to walk around. I went to Lucas and Thomas first. I raised a hand to touch Lucas, but reconsidered and nudged Thomas instead. He moved, but only as far as I pushed him. He didn't fall backward despite his center of balance being unsupported by his body. It was a weird combination of physics and the lack thereof. I studied the expression on Lucas's face. How meaningful was the concern in his brow, how beautiful the flicker of warmth in his eyes. There was hope, despite everything, in my chest. Hope that lifted my heart back towards its original cavity. 
At the same time, not knowing how to act on this hope and bring Lucas back to me tugged my heart back down. I sat on the bench next to him. For now, I just wanted to be near him. Although, the stoppage of time meant I couldn't feel him next to me. I didn't know the feeling of his presence was dependent on that, but it made sense. I miss you. He didn't hear. This isn't something I admitted openly, but in hindsight, part of me, a small part and very much a buried part, thought I needed to move on. It thought that he was irreparably distant and that I understood too little of why he was like this. The rest of me, of course, was stubbornly holding on. Just because he didn't remember doesn't mean it didn't happen. And if we were close the first time, we could get there again. Wait, I realized suddenly. So I am still stubborn. I sat there for a few minutes, zero minutes, and then got up. I'd been hoping for a shift, but if I couldn't feel his presence, then there was no point. I wandered, checking out a few other battles. It was kind of cool getting to see the Pokemon and their attacks in midair, energy appearing out of nothing and materializing into ice, fire, psychic waves. A physicist would have gotten a kick out of it. I was still inside my head, mostly. Thinking about my stubbornness toward Lucas made me reconsider Azelf. Maybe I am stubborn enough to help still? Maybe this was just a downswing? In that case, what causes these downswings in willpower? Oh. Oh no. I was getting farther from the battlefield I'd started at. Not that it seemed to matter, given that time showed no signs of resuming. The answer wasn't that simple, was it? Overcome the depression I was newly and loosely diagnosed with, and I could be Azelf's partner? How does one even do that? Unless Azelf actually chose me to help me instead of the other way around. Which could make sense. Luca had been desperate for knowledge, and ever since meeting Yuxi, he'd had gut feelings about places and people that led us to answers. Thomas was partnered with Mesprit, and the more I saw of him, the more I knew how much of a mess his emotions were. Maybe Azelf knew how to help me with this. I breathed. There was still a weight sitting atop my chest that slowed the movements of my limbs, but at least the frenticity of the storm was gone. One of the battles I passed was between two trainers I'd fought before. One was Ashley de Leon. I wasn't sure who the other was, but I think her name also started with an A. Her nine tails was a foot away from quick attacking Ashley's Ampharos, who was loaded with a thunder punch. How would this end? Who knew? I passed the last few battlefields and reached a patch of trees on the edge of town. They were one of the few types of trees I could identify. Ginkgos. Goldfish-colored, fan-shaped leaves fluttering motionlessly down from the branches. They hovered mid-flight. I plucked a leaf from its spot and moved it to another location. It drifted, and then settled into the still air. I swept my arm through a bunch of mid-air leaves. They moved as though I'd swept them along a bench. I grinned. I don't know why this was so funny to me. I looked up at the gold leaves above my head. The sun filtered through them in a frozen shadow play. Komorebi, I thought, remembering the oblivion word for light falling through leaves. I'd heard it once in a short film. I plucked a leaf from the air and took it with me. Its tan veins fanned out like ridges on a seashell, as fine as the teeth on a comb. I held it up to the sky. Its edges glowed faintly, although the middle of the leaf was too brown for translucence anymore. I didn't know what I was doing, but my instincts seemed to have some ideas, so I followed them. Walking through the grove aways, I breathed deeply. It was warm, but definitively autumn still, smelling of must and dust. Further into the grove, the ginkgos were shielded from the wind and shedding fewer leaves. Brown and yellow leaves blanketed the grove's floor, rather than hanging suspended in the air. I stopped at a spot free of trees and slowly turned in a circle. Leaves and gold and tan seemed to have taken over the grove, emanating upwards as if they were giving off steam. I felt rooted in the world, gazing at the colors around me. 
something about them was reassuring. I breathed in the gold light. It seeped into my chest, revitalizing the heavy stone inside it into something with function and feeling. Above me, the leaves began to fall. My alarm went off at 8, and I rolled over to turn it off. I lay there for a moment, trying to adjust. I knew I'd just jumped back to the morning. Double-checking my poke for the date confirmed this. This time, though, I was able to sit up and kick my legs over the side of the bed. I think in my chest somewhere, my heart was still heavy over something or nothing. But I felt comparatively lighter and immensely happier. Thomas? The bunk above me shifted. What? I think I found my anchor. Since we didn't have to rush to get me ready, Thomas and I were able to get breakfast in the Pokemon Center cafeteria. I told him all that had happened to me. You think the anchor is in space? I nodded. I've been struggling to find time anchors because time is in motion, so it's kind of like trying to anchor yourself to river water. But space is more stable, especially since Palkia isn't mad at me. But how does that put you back in time? Maybe time and space are intertwined enough that anchoring myself in one results in the other as well? Or maybe it's that I didn't anchor myself in space so much as in the world in general. I just had to get out of my head. He nodded slowly. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'd have missed you. I smiled. I'd have missed you too. We made it to the matchup selections before Lucas and Don this time. So, how will the matchups pan out? Thomas asked me. You and Lucas both get prelim battles, and all of us except Lucas make it to the third round, where Don and I... I trailed off and shook my head. But it won't be the same this time. But there's no new factors affecting the matchups, right? Yeah, it's an RNG. But when I was battling Dawn, there were two times when Prom used Water Pulse, before and after a backward skip, and her Electabuzz didn't get confused the second time. I think things that are up to chance don't stay the same. Weird. Dawn and Lucas arrived then. I noted that they entered together, but of course they did, they were rooming together. Hi, I said when they approached us. Hey, said Dawn. Lucas nodded a greeting without making eye contact. Ready for today? Heck yeah, Don said, grinning. Lucas didn't answer. I was not giving up on him. Lucas, how about you? I prompted him. He made eye contact with me, and my heart stopped. Lucas nodded with a smile on his face before looking away. I hadn't had time to see if his eyes were smiling too, but it was progress already. We could do this. The 1-4 through four badge matchups shuffled and displayed themselves. Here we go, said Thomas soon after, pointing at the screen overhead. The four of us, along with the other 5-8 through eight badge trainers in the room, watched in anticipation as the digital cards with our faces on them shuffled. The photos fluttered into the bracket. I scanned for my face. As expected, I wasn't matched with the same person. Satisfied, I searched for the others. See you in the final 16, Don teased, nudging me. Startled, I looked and found her on the board, poised to meet me in the third round. And Thomas and Lucas were both on the prelims again. What? In the next hour, I found myself on a bench sitting next to Don once again, watching Lucas and Thomas go through their prelims. They'd switched fields this time around. I still couldn't figure out how things could be different but still line up so specifically. So we're finding the same division as Thomas. This'll be interesting. I remember this conversation. Yeah, I said. But he already had five badges in Johto when he got here. He should be ahead of us. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Esther, Thomas's Ampharos, dodged an ice claw from the Sneasel they were battling. Lucas's Riolu kicked the legs of a Combuscan out from under him. I realized I had a second chance at this conversation, one where I could have answers instead of questions. How do you feel about Lucas? I didn't realize I'd said it until it was done. Don looked surprised. 
and a little nervous. What? What do you mean? Do you like him? She hesitated. You know what I mean. Don inhaled. Yeah. I leaned back. There it was. What about you? A flash of cold shot through me. I... Lucas? No, Thomas. My muscles relaxed. Oh, nah. Really? Yeah? Why did you think... I guess because you're together all the time and you travel together. I shook my head. That kind of just happened. We were heading to the same places at the same times. And I think there was a factor of us needing each other at the same time. You two work well together. Don paused and shrugged. At least, as far as I can tell. I grinned. I just give him a lot of shit and he puts up with it. <laughs> Cute. To be fair, I also... What did I said last time? I bully him into doing things he wouldn't do otherwise, like getting gym badges, and he gets me out of bad situations. Bad situations? Uh, galactic, usually. Oh. A look of remorse washed over her face. I was taken aback. What's this face about? She bit her lip. Lucas helped me when Galactic attacked me in Veilstone. He was there for me afterward, too, but when I pushed him away, that's when they got him, and I wasn't there for him. I didn't know she felt this way. He was fine in the end. You can't blame yourself for that. Your Pokemon had literally just died. It wasn't your fault. I think I understood, though. Because when you love someone and something bad happens to them, you can't help but wonder if you could have stopped it somehow. You think about all the ways you could have spared them the pain, or, in my case, saved his life, and blame yourself regardless of reason. Dawn shrugged, as if trying to convince herself she didn't care. It's in the past now. We watched the battles a little longer. Lucas's Houndoom defeated the Probopass he was up against, ending the match. I guess it was mostly a vibes thing, come to think of it. What was? Me thinking you and Thomas, that you'd work well together. She said, standing up. You vibe together. She went to meet Lucas, leaving me wondering, for the first time, if she was onto something. Chapter 47 Jacaranda Was I falling for Thomas? The idea would have been preposterous back... When? When hadn't it been plausible? How long ago was that? Because the more I thought about it, the more I realized how close Thomas and I had become. We traveled together without any concrete agreement, I confided in him about Lucas and time troubles, he confided in me about April. I was so much closer to him than I'd ever been with Lucas. I'd have missed you. I'd have missed you too. Evelyn? I blinked. Thomas was looking concerned at me. Are you okay? I... yeah? I called your name like six times. Oh. I must have skipped ahead. I took a deep breath to anchor myself. It smelled like late November. Sorry, lost track of the world. You good? Yeah. I smiled. The warm feeling in my chest turned scalding hot when I noticed it. Um, I'm fine, yeah. He nodded. Okay. Your first battle's now. I nodded, taking a deep breath, and headed to my field. Celestic Tournament, take two. Round one was more challenging this time. Faith fell to a Jolteon, then Trust took the Jolteon out. Trust made some headway on the trainer's desktops before fainting. I sent in Kerr, who knocked out the Ghost-type easily, and in a close match, she defeated the opponent's Feraligator. My opponent, a six-badge trainer named Sean, was in good spirits when we shook hands. You're Eevee! He exclaimed. Coming out with Shadowball like that? Oh my goodness. I grinned. She's versatile. She is! 
I don't know the last time I saw an Eevee in a tournament, to be honest. It's like most people think they can't battle till they evolve. Their loss, I said, shrugging. Which, of course, led me to check in with Kerr right after that. She says she's still not sure. Def informed me a minute later. Okay, let her know there's no pressure. Okay. Lucas, Don, and I ended up watching the tail end of Thomas's round one battle. He was pitted against Kyle and Wynn, who I vaguely remembered from the Valor Resort tournament. Kyle was at seven badges now against Thomas's five, but neither one had quite prevailed over the other. The original round had ended in a draw. Kyle, Zangus, and Swain fell simultaneously, so they'd moved into a tiebreaker round. Silver against a Gabite. This, of course, was taking forever given that ground and flying type don't mix. Kyle was at least calling for Dragon Rage and Thomas for Swift. They chipped slowly away at each other until finally Silver hijacked the Gabite's Dragon Claw with a confusion attack and made him scratch his own leg. The super effective dragon move prevailed, and Thomas and Silver emerged victorious. Time for you to get a sixth badge, I said to him as congratulations. He just laughed. Lucas, Don, Thomas, and I planned to go off and get lunch, but we ran into another group of trainers who invited us to join them in the Pokemon Center cafeteria. So we ended up scattered between Ashley de Leon, Kyle Wynn, AJ Core, and Tejal Vaidya. I didn't get the chance to talk to Lucas during that time, but I did thoroughly enjoy getting to know the other trainers. Ashley and I ended up talking about our hometowns, Sunny Shore and Twinleaf respectively. The conversation segued into talking about local leaders. Professor Rowan was the closest thing we had to one in Twinleaf, while Sunny Shore had the top gym leader in the region. He's bored to death, Ashley said. He started refusing to battle anyone with less than five badges because he doesn't think they're worth his time. Can he do that? Not really. He just puts it off till they give up. What about walk-ins? He doesn't do those. Hmm. Good to know him, I said. Volkner was the one gym leader I'd never fought. I didn't know much about him at all. He also keeps over-engineering the city past what they can handle, electrically speaking, Ashley added. I'd explain further, but then Kyle would hear me botching all the electrical terms and turn into his alter-ego circuit man. What? Kyle called across the table. Nothing. She called back. If you ever need technological help, you can count on him. AJ Core said. Or anything electrical. Not the electric slide. Ashley disagreed. The two of them started giggling madly. They both tried to explain it to me, something something Kyle dancing, but I was just amused at how amused they were. It was so clearly a joke between friends. Even with the four of them dispersed between us, you could feel how close they were. It hung in the air like paper streamers at a party. Def reached out to me toward the end of our lunch break. Kerr is wondering what your preference is. For evolution? Wait. I don't have a preference. It's up to her. Def conversed with her for a second. LD, that is not helpful. Sorry? It's not my right to decide this for her. Round two set me against a Pastoria trainer named Omar. Prom went up against the fastest duot I've ever seen and actually lost. I sent in Hope, who defeated him with her Luby evasion and grass and electric targeting moves. Hope fell to a Gardevoir who was capable of catching her in her psychic hold. I hesitated after recalling Hope. Que c'est passé? Def asked me. I don't have good options against psychic types, I realized. Of those of you left, there's two fighting types and one poison type. Prom knows Crunch, but that's about it. There's one other. Just say, I said, pulling out Kerr's ball. Don't let this affect your choice, though, I said quickly. Kerr did really well against the Gardevoir. Omar sent out a Lampant next, which confused me. He'd already seen Kerr's Shadow Ball, until I realized that aside from this one advantage, literally every other damage-dealing move in Kerr's arsenal wouldn't affect the Ghost type. I had Kerr leave floating Shadow Balls around the field like landmines. Air mines? restricting the Lampant's otherwise high movement abilities. And then Kerr literally learned Bite in the middle of the battle. She just jumped on up and grabbed hold with her teeth infused with dark energy. And she won. 
Lucas, once again, was out by this round. I still couldn't understand why things were arbitrarily the same in the midst of all these chance-based differences. I tried again to discreetly console him, but he still pretended he hadn't heard. I don't get it, I said when Thomas and I were alone. You said at the resort tournament that he just needed space. I've seen him like once in the last three weeks. Shouldn't that have been enough space? Maybe it goes deeper than that? I guess. I looked at the ceiling with a tired sigh. At this point, I don't even know what's going on. Hey. I felt his hand on my shoulder. It'll be okay. I smiled at him, but internally I was trying so hard to analyze how I felt about his hand on my shoulder that I couldn't even tell how it made me feel. Round 3. Me versus Don. This will be a three-on-three battle between Evelyn Myers of Twinleaf Town and Don Berlitz of Twinleaf Town, said the announcer. I nervously grounded myself in the warmth of the sunlight above me. Miraculously, the announcer kept going forward. Trainers may make substitutions in between rounds. Trainers, are you ready? Yes. Ready, said Don. I could tell she was nervous this time. Battle, begin! Trust, it's yours. Trust appeared, and so did Alan again. Alan, use flamethrower. Trust, flamethrower. And also... A power matchup like before, except this time, when Alan burst through the flames, Trust was ready. Don's Arcanine barreled headfirst, in extreme speed, no less, into a fistful of blue-tinged fighting energy. Trust's focus punch made a satisfying whoomp sound upon contact. I grinned. He didn't even have to do anything. He just held his hand out and let the velocity of Alan's attack do the work. Awesome job. Get another one in. Trust leaped onto the back of the disoriented Arcanine and charged up another focus punch. Alan swiveled, trying to get Trust in view, and I realized something I'd missed last time. Get him off with extreme speed. Stay on his back. All his attacks come from his mouth. Trust held on tight with one hand as Alan charged around the field, changing directions erratically to try and buck him off. With his other hand, Trust rammed a fully charged focus punch into the back of Alan's head. Doing great, Trust. Get a brick break in. Trust wound up for brick break, but Alan suddenly came to a complete stop, hurling Trust off his back. Trust hit the ground several yards in front of him. Thunderfang! Get ready to jump, and then don't. Trust crouched down. Alan anticipated the jump and snapped his jaws higher in the air, placing Trust, still crouched, right beneath him. In a flash, Trust hurled two mock punches right into Alan's stomach, tossing him into the air. Alan fell awkwardly and got up with some difficulty. Flamethrower! Flamethrower! And run forward! Trust ran, shortening the flame's distance like Alan had at the beginning of the battle. But instead of bursting through the other side, he jumped straight into the air, circumventing Alan's flamethrower and hitting him close range. In a moment, the flames dissipated, Trust landed, and I saw Alan lying on the ground. His fangs were still sparking with the thunder fang Don had anticipated Trust running into. But I know better than that. Arcanine is unable to battle. Trust turned around. Great job, I said out loud to him. He grinned at me and began to glow. My jaw dropped. Of all the changes between this time and last, this wasn't something I saw coming. Trust grew taller. His limbs elongated, flames erupted from the crown of his head. He emerged from the evolutionary glow, still grinning. Come on back. You can stay out for the rest of the battle if you want. Trust cantered over. Just the difference in limb length made him faster already, and took his place beside me in the box. I didn't want him to keep fighting for a few reasons. One, he'd need time to adjust to his new proportions, and two, getting knocked out right after evolving is anticlimactic. Prom, you're up next, I said telepathically, throwing his Pokeball. Turns out, Dawn had let out her Electabuzz again. Okay, we can do this still. Last time I tried long-range battling, which didn't work. So, short-range somehow? Wait! Prom, I have kind of a crazy idea. Shockwave! 
Prom darted at Elliot, conjuring a water pulse in front of his face. The shockwave hit the water and more or less stayed there. A few sparks got through and zapped Prom in the nose, but not many. Prom kept inflating the pulse with more water until he was right in front of Elliot. Now! Prom shot through the water pulse, rather than launching it, and locked his teeth onto Elliot's arm. Dark ice and water energy coursed through his jaws. The water pulse in front of his snout had hidden this. Elliot growled in pain and sent a surge of electricity to the hand in Promise's mouth. Prom hung on till the thunder punch was too much for him to bear. Thunder wave. Prom was too close. Thunder wave hit easily. He fell on his back, paralyzed. Now for the crazy idea. Shock wave. Prom again conjured water above him, but Elliot directed his electricity around it this time. You can do it, Prom. I encouraged him, tense nonetheless. Prom held on as the water pulse grew much bigger than either of them. Okay, now. Prom put up a protect bubble. But it wasn't a shield around him. The protect enveloped himself, Elliot, and all the water above him. The water pulse popped, flooding the protect like an inverted fish tank. Elliot's next shockwave coursed through the water surrounding them, shocking them both. Prom, immobile and underwater, started to constrict the size of the protect bubble. There wasn't a ton Prom and I could do at this point. I watched Don, across the field, trying to figure something out that wouldn't hurt Elliot. By now, Elliot was underwater, too, and running out of breath much faster than Prom. Shockwave, she finally said, sounding resigned. Elliot let loose with electricity, and all the water in the bubble lit up with an electric yellow glare. He kept the shockwave going for a few seconds, but it died out just before the protect collapsed. Both Pokemon are unable to battle. Well done, Prom. Thanks for trying out my crazy idea. I took a deep breath. So far, so good. Two to one, and one evolution on my side. We'd finally reached the point where I lost grip on time last time around, so I had no idea what would happen from here on out. Although, this whole day had been pretty unpredictable. Faith says jacaranda. What? Jacaranda. He repeated, sounding confused. A tree with fleur de lavande. Lavender flowers. Oh, lavender-like. Kerr, it's yours, I said, thinking of the lavender flecks in her eyes. Venezia, go! Don Saltaria appeared on the field. I narrowed my eyes. Air versus land. Sharpshooting, when Kerr had been using too many shadow balls already. So, let's not do sharpshooting. Dragon breath. Dodge. Kerr stayed on the defensive side, evading attacks from the Altaria high in the sky. At some point, Don finally got frustrated and called for a peck attack. I smiled. Perfect. Quick attack. Courage waited until Venezia was right about to hit, then darted to the side. Before Venezia could respond, Kerr swung around and landed on her back, like Trust had earlier. Yes! Hold on with bite! Kerr lashed onto Venezia's wing with her teeth. Venezia tried and failed to get back into the air. Venezia, dragon breath! Venezia turned her head. Kerr was too close. Dragon breath hit at close range, loosening Kerr and sending her tumbling. Great, now pursuit. Don Saltaria rushed at Kerr, who hadn't recovered in time to dodge. Venezia ran in for a second hit. Kerr, sand attack! The pursuit hit, but Venezia received a face full of sand in the process. Kerr grabbed Venezia's leg in her teeth. Fly! Venezia flew lopsidedly into the air, pulling Kerr with her. Kerr held tight. As they ascended higher, I could see violet ghost-type energy coming out between Kerr's teeth, spraying Venezia with the raw material of a shadow ball. Venezia dove, aiming to land Kerr first. Kerr twisted in midair, and the Pokemon closest to the ground switched. First Kerr, then Venezia, then Kerr briefly, then Venezia again. Then Kerr was higher, and white normal-type energy was streaking behind her as she fell, pushing Venezia downward. By the time they hit the ground, Venezia had lost control to Kerr's takedown. Kerr landed on top and rolled off, impacted by the fall, but cushioned by the Altaria nonetheless. Altaria is unable to battle. The battle goes to Evelyn of Twin Leaf Town. I ran over to Kerr and scooped her up. Thank you, 
I said, hugging her. She nestled her face into my neck tiredly. Trust and Dawn had walked over by now. Congratulations, said Dawn, extending her hand. Thanks, I said, shaking it. Dawn headed over to Thomas and Lucas. I stayed on the field for a moment, scratching Chris's head. The sun's rays hung warmly in the air, cooled by a breeze that swept my hair into my face. The Eevee in my arms was dusty, and the infernate beside me was trying to control the fire on his head, which was whipping around in the breeze. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the ginkgos on the edge of town raining yellow leaves. I smiled. I was feeling much better. I was back. Chapter 48. Kerr. Come on. We're both out already. Yeah, but you can always learn from other trainers. Lucas wants to get moving, said Don. I stayed for you last time. Don started to say something, but hesitated. You got me there, she said after a moment. You'll stay? Yeah, I'll talk to Lucas, too. You know you're your own person, right? Don smiled ruefully. I hoped that hadn't sounded bitter. I know, but I'm going back to Heart Home with Lucas. Oh, this was news to me. Yeah, <laughs> I figure at this point, I should get badges from other gyms before giving Sunny Shore a sixth go. Sixth? I, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What was Voltner playing at? Sixth? But yeah, I'll see if I can make him stay an extra day or so. Also, I was thinking of checking out the Celestic Ruins tonight. Wanna come? Yeah, I'd like that. Don went off to convince Lucas to stay. I already knew she'd have a much easier time than I would have had. Thomas knocked on the glass door to the computer booth in the Pokemon Center. I've always wondered why these are enclosed. I clicked to another tab. It's because they're usually used for vid calling, I said. Privacy for the caller, less noise for everyone else. You're not vid calling, though, said Thomas, squinting at the screen. Did you just change tabs? No. I've been on the... I glanced at the page. Browser homepage the whole time. Thomas just stared at me with a knowing smirk. I sighed and clicked back on the other tab. Thomas took a gander. 12 Tips for Coping with Depression That's it? I thought you were hiding something scandalous. I shrugged uncomfortably. It's not something I've talked about before. Is it your first time dealing with it? I leaned back in the swivel chair and shrugged again. I thought it was, but the more I think about it, the more I think I just didn't have a name for it. Like, I'd get home from school and be unable to do anything for hours. My second ever match against Fantina went really poorly because I wasn't feeling up to it, and obviously there was the entire month after Lucas died. I looked up at Thomas. I think I recognized that as depression, because suddenly there was a reason for me to be depressed. Depression doesn't always need a reason. I'm getting that now. Well, now that you know, you can do something about it. I nodded, going back to the screen. That's the idea. I'll be in the lobby when you're ready. No need, I said, logging off. I'm ready now. Dawn was standing outside the ruins entrance when we arrived. She'd invited both Thomas and Lucas too, but only one had shown up. Where's Lucas? He decided not to come. His loss. My heart sank ever so slightly. Will he be okay? Lucas? Yeah, this isn't Veilstone. She said it half-jokingly, but it meant she knew what I was thinking. We entered the cavern. The inner walls were lit by a string of bare bulbs along one side. I brought out trust for extra light. And protection, just in case. J'ai une question. Yeah? Tu es courage and dared her evolution down to a few options, oui? Yeah. To ces options, quelle est-ce que tu préfères? Def, I can't answer that for her. You two are talking about that again? We have been all day, should we? All day? I stopped in my tracks. Approximately. Something wrong? Asked Thomas. 
He and Don had stopped and turned around. Um, I think I need to talk to my Pokemon right now. Right now, right now? Yeah. I mean, they've been talking all day about the same thing, and I've only just- I'll explain later, I said, backing up. Trust looked confused, but then seemed to understand, like Def had just filled him in. Enjoy the ruins. Good luck. The entrance to the ruins were more or less in the middle of Celestic Town, so I was hopefully unlikely to be attacked. I let out Def, Kerr, and was reaching for other Pokeballs when I thought to ask, it's just you two who've been talking? Wait. Okay, I said, withdrawing trust as well. Def and I sat cross-legged on the ground to get closer to Kerr's height. So, what's this been about? Courage says she is unsure what she wants to evolve into. Okay. She knows she doesn't need to decide this instant, right? Oui. She said it has been on her mind. Okay. Um, Kerr, did you manage to narrow it down any further? Let's start with that. Kerr shook her head, looking about as frazzled as an Eevee can look. Mais elle sait. Definite said, sounding oddly frustrated. Elle what? Elle sait. I felt some kind of psychic shift. Elle sait what to evolve into. Kerr protested, having heard him as well. She knows? Oui, she knows, just like I knew. You knew what? That I wanted to devenir un galad. So you've more or less singled out a favorite? I asked Kerr directly. E? It was an unsure confirmation. Oui. Def's confirmation was sure. What's stopping you? Oui. Def translated. She doesn't want to be wrong. Oh, I mean, anti-evotech is advancing. It wouldn't be impossible to undo it if you think it's wrong. Kerr launched into a flurry of Eevee words that Def had to vocalize for her. Courage, ça va. You already told me. I can tell her. Kerr quieted down. Il y a many raisons that is not preferable. Her moveset and growth would not be for the new evolution. She worries it would slow down the team. Changing evolution is expensive. Or see, the moveset of her choice is limited in type. While she wants to know many kinds of moves. Sounds like there's a lot going on. Kerr confirmed tiredly. Well, I want you to know, I'm more than willing to pay for an evolution change. Your happiness is more important than money. Also, having an old moveset would mean you'd know the moves of two different types of evolutions, so that's kind of a bonus. Um, your growth is primarily about you as an individual, and based on what you've told me in the past, I don't see that varying a lot between your top picks. Beyond that, I really do think you could thrive as any evolution. What else was there? Slowing down the team. Yeah, there's no way you'd slow down the team based on evolution choice. If you pick a redundant type, we'll just have more of that type. Like if you picked Vaporeon, we'd just have that much more advantage over fire types. And again, you'd be great in any evolution. Kerr was quiet. Anything else? She still isn't sure. Okay. Is there a specific instance of someone else's evolution going wrong? Kerr didn't say anything, but she did look pointedly at the Gallade sitting next to her. Quoi? Def looked startled. You think he regrets his evolution? Mais je ne regrette pas. Where's her theory coming from, then? Well, je... je ne... Je probably should have deviated un God of War. Go on. Je prefer fighting from a distance, a evasion, a healing. Je n'aime pas close combat. I see. I did meet him when his main moves were teleport and double team. Mais je ne regrette pas. He said again, looking at her. Gardevoir would have been more convenient, but Galad feels right. Je ne sais pas. Just because? Just because. What made you choose? Gut feeling. You had some reservations, right? Oui, mais I found out I needed to trust my instincts. I knew what to do, I just had to do it. Merci, definite. To Kerr, I said, how are you feeling? 
Crystal looked unsure. And finally, I realized this wasn't about the costs and the movesets and the team composition. It never was. I think it might be... It may not be external factors making you uncertain. It's just you have so many different reasons for being unsure. It's like they're all rationalizations rather than sources of uncertainty. When that happens, the real reason is usually internal, which makes it harder to find. Kerr groaned, plopping her head down on her forepaws. I smoothed back the hair on her head. Hey, you don't need to decide right now. Heck, you're killing it out there as an unevolved deviant. You could stay that way forever and keep kicking ass like you did today. Kerr leaned into my hand. I scratched behind her ears. If death is right, though, and deep down you know your evolution, it just comes down to taking that leap of faith. Although, I should probably call it a leap of courage, in this case. Trust your heart, Kerr. Lucas was training with his Pokemon outside the Pokemon Center when I got back. We made eye contact briefly, which he soon broke. He probably wanted to keep training. I hesitated for what felt like hours, <laughs> JK, time was flowing fine, um, and then went for it. Hey, I said, approaching him. Hey. He said, not really looking at me. How's it going? Fine. Mm. Uh, how's training going? It's going fine. Should have seen that coming. Cool. I hear you're staying tomorrow? Yeah. Nice. Glad you'll be around. Are, are you mad at me? No. He almost looked at me. Really? Yeah. Is, is something else wrong? No. I wanted so badly to believe him. Well, if there is, just talk to me. Okay. I guess all these silences were awkward probably, but I barely noticed. My mind was too occupied with how to get through to him. I'm gonna keep training now. He pointed at his Riolu and Torterra. Oh, yeah. Okay. I stood there stupidly for a second. Mm, yeah, see you tomorrow. Bye. I went into the lobby, feeling my insides collapsing. Why is he like this? Surely there's a reason. What did I do, though? It started when we had that fight in Veilstone, right? Why is that still carrying on? Evelyn, you good? I blinked. Thomas and Don were back. Yeah. You were kind of just standing there, staring off into space. Thomas said casually. Oh. I didn't remember stopping at all. Guess I got too deep in my own thoughts. Sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm just worrying about you. Uh, okay. He passed by me, followed by Don, who waggled her eyebrows at me. I made a face. Thomas watching out for me was just a state of being. Our friendship had originated in him saving me from things, and... Well, me getting frustrated over it, but that was irrelevant now. It didn't mean I was more than a friend to him. It didn't mean he was more than a friend to me. I sighed quietly, walking behind them. At least, I hoped it didn't mean that. Thanks for listening. Thomas is played by Tim Markham, Don by Emily Liu, Definite by Omar Gomez, and Ashley by me. Em's been voicing all the Eevee noises you've been hearing. Sean is Mugo voices basically himself and I think the first case of a character named directly after someone I know, and also voices Lucas. Kyle is played by Matthew Chin, AJ by Becky Abraham making their chance debut, and the announcer is voiced by Naveed Zaman. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate the pod five stars, and check out the Instagram at chanceoutloud. Uh, if you want to read ahead, you can find chance on fanfiction.net, an archive of our own, links in the description. For those of you who made it this far, first of all, thanks, and uh, second of all, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, which is, 
I didn't actually forget to put any music into this episode or the last one. I'll see you next time. Thank you.